Vaginas are absolute magic. And Ali is here to give them the respect they deserve. That means shame-free supplements made with clinically studied ingredients to keep your pH in check. And your pleasure a priority. Put yourself on top. Go to Ollie.com today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Brooks Running has a new shoe for you runners out there. Did you hear that? Better turn up your volume. In fact, turn it up to the max. Introducing the all-new Ghost Max. It's got all kinds of things to make your knees and ankles feel protected, like Max Cushion, Max Soft Landings with DNA Loft V2 Foam, and Max Smooth Rides with their Glide Roll Rocker. Feel better on your run with Ghost Max. Learn more at brooksrunning.com. Hello, welcome to episode 20 of the Oh Crap Potty Training Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Glowacki, and I am the author of Oh Crap Potty Training and Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. So today I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start with some more tips for light sleepers. So in the last episode, I gave you some not really tips, (laughs) like, oh, there's not much you can do, you know, and that you really want to get to the root of the light sleeping. What my assistant, my lovely assistant, Sharon, reminded me is that there is a medium light sleeper. So part of an occupational hazard I have, I guess, is that I work with the hardest of hard cases. So when I hear light sleeper, my clients, these are the kids that like can hear a pin drop down the block. So I see extreme light sleeping. And Sharon reminded me that, you know, some kids are just medium light sleepers. And so she reminded me of some really great tips for a medium light sleeper. (laughs) So first of all, night training has to happen in a, in a bed or a floor bed. And I always say toddler bed, but I don't mean it has to be a toddler bed. It just has to be a bed bed, not a crib, a light sleeper. You're never going to get them out of the crib and on a potty. Even if you put the potty in the crib, because at this age, they're at the lowest setting on the crib, right? For safety. And so number one, you're going to break your back. Number two, it's way too jarring to get out of the crib. So that's the first tip. You want to make sure that they're in a nighty or a long t-shirt. They have to be with no undies or uh, no pants. Parents all the time will come at me with this with like, <laughs> you know, it's too cold. They need pants. You know, the thing about it is like you can you can jack up your heat while you're doing this. If they are in undies or pants, it's going to be that much more work, right? You want to minimize, particularly with a light sleeper, you want to minimize the job. You want to minimize all the things you're doing and the interruption. So if you have to take something off, it's going to prolong the process. The other thing is while we're talking about it is you have to get rid of sleep sacks, guys. If you're night training, getting a kid out of a sleep sack is really time consuming. And the more you are like rustling the child, the more likely they are to wake up. So that's something you want to think about ahead of time, right? because I know a lot of kids like really love their sleep sacks. You always want the potty chair right next to the bed. You can put it on top of a towel or you can put it on top of a piddle pad. 
you want this to be as easy as possible. Again, you want to keep the child as still as possible. For little boys, I say, honestly, you could use something like a mason jar, a yoga container, a red solo cup, you know, kind of turn them over, put the little penis in the cup and just go, shh, and they can release that way. So the idea overall is like, this isn't a conscious learning moment. This isn't like, hey, everybody, you know, everybody wake up and let's go to the body. So you just want to think in those terms. You can use a very dim nightlight so you can see what you're doing without being jarring. I know even the lightest sleepers, a lot of people don't have light. There's some, not controversy, but there's some back and forth about nightlights. You know, the slightest light can interrupt melatonin production. So I hear that, but also, you know, sometimes kids, especially if you're, if they're at a stage where they might even be getting up to go themselves, are they able to see something? And so I kind of like the ambient light that's provided maybe by the moon or, you know, we have light pollution everywhere and you know how that happens, right? Like if you just shut off the lights, your eyes take a while to adjust. But if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can kind of see shapes. So it's up to you what kind of light you use. But a lot of times people use their phone and kind of keep it in their hand or something. You know how you can minimize the light coming from your phone. So that's something you might want to do. This kind of goes without saying, but I always have to say what goes without saying because it needs to be said. Go in as quietly as you can. Don't speak. Kneel next to the bed. Stand the child up. Pivot them. Sit them down. Or like I said, you can use a red Solo cups especially for boys, little girls, that would be trickier in the middle of the night. You can go when they're done, pivot them back into bed. So just minimize the movement. A really great tip, and I don't know why this works, but it's been, it works like a lot. Well, I can't necessarily like do a scientific reason. It works. Whisper to them. So when you tuck them in, whisper in their ear, hold your pee till I come for you. Okay. And something about whispering it right into the ear, it like goes in differently. I don't know why. And then when you do a wake up, you can actually do the same thing when you tuck them back in, hold your pee till I come for you. Yeah. And number one, it somehow goes in. It doesn't work a hundred percent of the time, but it works often enough that I've been like, okay, it's a weird thing, but it works. <laughs> but also for the light sleeper, a lot of times, this goes for every kid, actually, not just light sleepers. You want to tell them what's happening so that they're not like, what the hell are you waking me up in the middle of the night? You know, you might say, don't forget, I'm going to come in and help you pee and we'll just go pee. And then you can go right back to bed. So you always just want to prepare the child. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. Like I said, for every kid. So those are some additional tips for the light sleeper. I am going on with some sort of broad spectrum questions that we get. These aren't these aren't specifics, but they happen often enough that they need to be addressed. Tips on how to encourage a child to use the toilet instead of the potty. Listen to me on this. The only thing you can really do is offer both. The socialized behavior of going to the bathroom, closing the door, using the toilet that will naturally come. I have never seen a child use the potty for like a weird amount of time. And there are very few nevers I can say in this work. There is always a child who proves me wrong. I have never seen a child like they grow out of it. Yes. Or they 
naturally want to just do once they get the process down and they can hold it for, you know, a bit, you know, say they're playing and they feel the urge, they can hold it long enough to get to the bathroom. They almost always just go right to it. But the best thing you can do is just constantly offer, hey, do you want to use the toilet with me or you want to use the potty and be chill. So one of the reasons I work with clients on a walkie talkie app is because I need to hear how they sound. And if you have an agenda, so let's say you're offering a choice of the toilet or the potty and you really want them to use the toilet and you start like putting that into your vocal tone, like, hey, do you want to use the toilet or the potty? Like, <laughs> They're going to be hip to you. And this is the age that you know, your kid kicks against you. They're learning how to be their own person and they love going against you in a lot of these instances. So they can smell it. They can smell it if you have a preferred agenda and they're not going to go for it. So just know that, okay? Just offer it in a very chill way. You know, hey, toilet or potty, which one? And then they'll start to choose the toilet. The only thing is, is sometimes you sort of have to come out of the gates offering them these choices if they have to be, you know, in a situation where they're going to have to use like a toilet for a preschool say. But this is again, why I don't like to back up. So many people only approach potty training when it's like they have to because of school or something. I hate when parents do that, because I know what happens, like they're in this place of, I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to push them. I'm not going to push this process. Then they have to be potty trained and the parents wait till the last minute and then they jam it down the child's throat. And so it's this weird, I don't even know what you call that. Is that a paradox? Like where they didn't want to push and now they're really pushing and the child will resist. So that's why if you can kind of future cast and be like, okay, they're going to have to use a real toilet in this situation. I should start working on this now. So they have plenty of time to get the process down and then go to the toilet. But honestly, if you try to push this too hard or just ditch the potty, I'll have, it's so frustrating. A child will be doing awesome. Just awesome. Right. Taking themselves to the potty. It's awesome. Guys, I know the little insert is gross to empty. I get it. Like I potty trained my kid, you know, but do you want independence or do you want your child to be number one dependent on you? Because a lot of times they're going to need help on the real toilet, right? And people who push this, they'll be like, I'm done. I do not want a potty chair in my house. Like I'm done with this. I'm getting rid of it. And they completely implode the entire process. The kid regresses to before a diaper. It can be gnarly. So please don't do this. I don't know why we do this. I don't know why we take away crutches from a child when they're just learning. We don't do this with any other milestones. So don't do that to your child. Don't pull the rug out from under them. If you feel like it's been kind of a, a long time and you're like, oh, okay, it's been it's been months now and I really do kind of want to start getting rid of this putty, what you can do is just keep the potty in the bathroom. That's a really good intermediate step, right? Is like, or a bridge is like, okay, so we start getting the room appropriate, right? And the potty chairs in the bathroom. So that's a good thing. And a lot of times too, parents will start to get stressed out about this when they say like, have a vacation plan. Like say they're going to Disney and they're like, well, I can't take the potty with me. I'm going to have to, you know, we're going to be at Disney. I have found that in situations, I don't know why it mostly happens at Disney, maybe because Disney's so fun, the kid forgets. <laughs> but 
they will use the toilet in those scenarios. And don't forget, like if you are in those situations, don't forget all the public restroom tricks, like have headphones for the child or earmuffs, something to dim the the live noise that often happens in public restrooms, red solo cup. Don't forget something for the flusher. You want to block the automatic flusher. So you don't want to forget those public restroom tips. But a lot of times the kids in those situations where there's no other choice, they will sort of automatically just do it. And it's kind of cool. And you're like, oh, shit, why didn't I do this earlier? (laughs) Okay. Tips on teaching a boy to hold his penis down. Guys, this is not rocket science. This is asked often enough that I know it's a problem, but I'm a little confused. So literally they sit on the potty right? A little boy will sit on the potty. You tuck their penis between their legs, close their legs and say, hold your penis down. And you literally have to do this every time for a good few weeks. And then your child will start to put his penis down, close his legs and pee in the potty. It's really not a big deal. It's not necessarily even like, I'm going to teach him to hold his penis down. It's just how you go to the bathroom. Now, a lot of times people say, well, he wants to stand like daddy or, you know, I'm going to have him stand. You cannot have a child stand at a potty chair. Yes. And pee because the pee will hit the chair at that height and splash back. The splash guards on potty chairs, unless there's a new potty chair, I don't know about, they never work. They never work. So (laughs) I have noticed over the years that if your child is intact, the penis has a little bit more weight to it. And so it kind of hangs a little more naturally on its own, as opposed to a circumcised penis, which has a little spring to it, I guess, without the foreskin. So know that like there might be more more holding down. You can also have the child lean forward, you know, sort of put their belly on their knees and lean forward, and then the penis will point down. But don't make this a big deal, but also don't allow pee to spray everywhere. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Hold your penis. This keeps happening though in my work, my parenting work, in my potty training work. Nothing in parenting, nothing is one and done. So it's consistency. That's how you teach anything. Hold your penis down, hold your penis down, hold your penis down. So you're just going to have to say it a lot. And it's really, 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 it's not a big deal. Okay. Strategies to get your partner on board with the potty training plan. Okay. So if you did the episode of like how I became the poop lady and things that people hate about my book, my book again was published a long time ago when parenting was not that long ago, but parenting was very different. So at the end, I have a dad cheat sheet. Yes. And that was because when I did the the most broad spectrum consulting and when the book was like being crafted, I guess, over years, it was largely dads worked outside of the home. Women were doing the body training work. And to be clear, it still happens that way. So I know like if you, you know, I get a lot of, like I've said in that episode, I get a lot of hate about, you know, it's not 1950, dads are taking part. Let's just say that for most of the world, women are doing the potty training. And I do work with clients in other countries. So I would figure out first, my experience is that if there's a person working outside the home, that person is more resistant to potty training. I would get to the heart of why your partner, your spouse is not on board and take it seriously. So back in 2009, 
there was a phenomena that was happening, which is it was largely dads working outside the home. Mom was in the home, working in the home. And dad would not read the book, but dad would ask coworkers at work. And so I trace this back to, you know, a jokingly male trait, which is I'm not going to ask directions. I'd rather be lost and find my own way. Yeah. So that was a phenomena that I kept seeing. You know, so-and-so said his kid potty trained with M&Ms. We should do that. But they wouldn't even like give my book a shot. After working with enough families, what I started to come down to is that a lot of times the parent, and I think it was somewhere around like 2015, maybe, there was a real shift. There was a real, a noticeable shift. Well, I saw it through my work. I should say it wasn't in my work. Dads were being let go of their jobs. Moms were re-entering the workforce. So we had a lot more stay-at-home dads. And it was right around like, I guess, maybe 2013, 2014, where dads really started to kind of jump into potty training. So I always say in a house, and this is there's so many factors to this, but in a house, especially if there's a stay-at-home parent and an, a parent working outside the home, the parent who works outside the home is sensitive to anything that's going to take joyful time away from their child. So they have limited time. And I started to see this dynamic flip where it wasn't, you know, male, female specific. It was really about if mom was working outside the home and dad was home with the child, it was the mom who had this. So to be clear, largely that used to be dads. Now it's just equal. So what happens is that person you know, would come home six o'clock at night, had limited time and didn't really want to do the work, right? Because potty training's work and it's focus and it's not necessarily like the most joyful time that you can have with your kid. And it's like the parent who works outside the home wants to come home and, you know, not in a, I don't mean this in a, in a negative sense, wants to be the Disney dad, wants to be the person who's like, yeah, let's wrestle, let's have fun. They don't want to keep an eye on the work. So that could be one of the reasons. Another reason I started to see early 2014-ish is, again, it was dads didn't want to do the potty training. Moms did it. And then what happened was moms were really stepping on dads. And so I don't know when this trend really started, but when dads started to want to take part, and I think this is probably unbelievable to you guys, but having spanned my career from literally like 2008, 2009, like people say, this isn't 1950. This is like how it was in 2008, 2009. And it seems kind of weird and archaic now, but this was really how it was. Yeah. Moms, dads wanted to like help more and moms could not let go of the control. And moms were making unilateral decisions without checking in with dad, without checking in. And they would just be like, I'm starting to potty train. You have to help me. And so, you know, dads would be like, hurt. They would be hurt because they weren't like consulted. This is a major milestone. It involves the whole family. And mom was just being really bullish. And on a side note, I see this in all other areas too. Like if your husband wants to help, you know, guys do things differently than girls. Moms do things differently than, than dads. And I've seen moms just get psychotic about how everything needs to be done. I talk about this a lot in my other podcast. Oh crap. I love my kids, but holy fuck. Yeah. So I would check in. The biggest thing is check in. What is the core resistance? If your partner or spouse doesn't want to potty train, 
what is the core resistance to that? And like I said, it is work and they may be hearing like, oh, wait till they're ready. It's going to be effortless. So you just want to, you want to get to the, the heart of it and then you can address it more fully. And maybe then it's like, if they don't have time or don't want to read my book, you can say, can you just read the like, wait till they're ready chapter? Does this make sense to you? You know, does it make sense to you to, to be, you know, four and a half in a diaper? So that's what I would do. I also think it's better. I jokingly say in the book, you know, like talk about it after sex. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know, you don't want to hit this hard. Like somebody walks through the door, they're already stressed, you know, like we're potty training, you know, you want to approach all big decisions about your kid in softer moments when everybody's relaxed, everything's chill so that there's not, you don't enter into conversations like this when you're, you know, everybody's already heated or stressed out. So that's what I would do. If your partner is not on board, I have parents ask me all the time, can I just potty train without my partner? No, you cannot. There are, you know, hopefully there are times where you're not going to be home, where your partner is going to be with your child. There's just going to be moments. It's too hard. And I literally have seen, you know, partners and spouse get passive aggressive. I've seen them go against you. I've seen all kinds of shit. So yeah, you can't do this without your partner. So I would just try to really get to the actual root of what's happening. And I will say, you know, I'm not trying to be all gender specific here. It typically is that male-female dynamic, but I've seen this dynamic happen in lesbian relationships. I've had it happen in gay men relationships. So it is a dynamic that happens and it needs to be worked through. But again, you cannot do this by yourself. I've just, I've never seen it work even, and I've worked with like some really outdated, not archaic, that sounds so judgy, (laughs) but some outdated gender roles in families where, you know, the woman is all housework, all kids, the dad. And even then somebody's going to be with your child when you're not. So you can't do it if your partner is not on board. I think that warrants some actual like if you guys really want to potty train and somebody's being contentious, I just think that, you know, maybe you need some, you need to work some things out. Okay. That's all I'm going to hit today. Oh, you know what? Let me do one more here because I've, I've said this in several podcasts, but it keeps coming up. So I'm going to say it again. Potty training a nonverbal or limited verbal child it can be done. It can be done actually quite effortlessly because your child is always communicating with you. They don't need words to communicate. You can use sign language. You can use American sign language. You can make up a sign. It can be a sound. You know, you don't have to, I'm sure your child tells you when they're hungry, when they're thirsty, and our kids are constantly communicating with us constantly. So if your child isn't verbal, either because of some sort of diagnosis or if they're just young and it hasn't happened yet, they're still communicating with you. So absolutely jump in and I will have, this happens again and again and again. I didn't potty train because we were working on a speech delay. The thing about a speech delay is it's kind of, a the speech delays aren't taken care of in like a month, right? Or two months, speech delays or speech issues, they're going to be ongoing and you will always attend to that. But what will happen is I see it so often. People are attending to speech, not potty training. Potty training gets put on the back burner. And then pretty soon the kid's four and a half. You now have an extended diaper wearing child 
that the habit of the diaper is that much more entrenched. I always say this, do you want to break a habit at two years or do you want to break a habit at four and a half years? Obviously, four and a half years, you've doubled, more than doubled the lifespan of the habit, right? So you can totally, I, I've seen it. I've seen pre-verbal, non-verbal, limited verbal, again, because that's just the child or because of some sort of diagnosis, because of some speech delay and they potty train, no problem. So parents will be like, I just need them to wait so they can tell me they have to pee or poop. I can guarantee that they can tell you in some way, shape or form, even if it's not through words. So don't let that get in your way. Again, just come up with some sort of sign. It doesn't have to be American Sign Language. It just has to be some sort of communication. I just kind of lost my train of thought because I went out to dinner with an old friend and she is going to become a translator for deaf people. And I thought, I never thought of this, but I just said the words, right? American Sign Language. It's American. Sign language is different in other countries. That blew my mind. I don't know why I didn't think of that, that like there's different countries have different sign language. And I I didn't realize that. And of course, you say American Sign Language all the time, and duh. But anyway, I thought that'd be an interesting nugget for you. All right, you guys, I'm going to log off. I appreciate you. Any questions you have, head over to Instagram and I will definitely, definitely, definitely answer questions. Oh, I did want to mention to you guys, I am going to start pulling some of the parenting podcasts over from my other podcasts, a couple of episodes once in a while over here, because There are concepts, potty training is parenting, right? And so there are some concepts, but don't forget that I have that other podcast. I have a lot of episodes and it can really help you sometimes with some of these broader concepts. Like potty training doesn't like happen in a non-parenting vacuum. So if you're struggling, you might want to head over there. And the other thing is I'm going to start interviewing people. If you think you have a really cool, interesting potty training story that you would like to share, I would love to interview you. You can just email at jamieglowacki.com and put podcast in the subject header. And I would love to hear the highlights of your story. I am constantly, as I keep saying, I wish my book were a living document and thank God we have podcasts because now we can sort of keep it a living document. And parents, some of my best tricks were learned along the way from other parents. So I trust you to trust your gut. And when you guys have been creative or, you know, thought of things I haven't thought of, or you've modified something I've done and it worked brilliantly for you, I totally want to hear about it because, you know, we don't have the village anymore and we're in this together and we really want to help each other as much as we can. So, so again, Jamie at jamieglowacki.com and you can put podcast in the header. Please don't email me with potty training questions. I can almost never answer them just on email. I will suggest you go to a consultation that's on jamieglowacki.com under the tab help. I wish I could, but if you email me with a very, very, very easy question, we can potentially answer it, but we can't. We get a flood of emails and 99% of the time it really does require a consult. I need to get to know your child, the situation, the routines and everything like that. And parents will email with like, my kid's been pooping his pants for two years. Any tips? That's not an appropriate question. There's like, that's a, that's a two month consultation for sure. So anyway, I would love to hear your story for the podcast. And I think that's it for today. Rock on you guys. 